You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. All right, thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Deep Purple Podcast. On this episode, I sit down and have a discussion with Hartmut Kreckel, who is someone who has run one of the Captain Beyond and and Deep Purple, the new Deep Purple and Rod Evans informational websites uh, that he started, at least that I discovered in the mid to late 90s. Um, it's been an online resource for a very long time. It's still out there in the web archive. You can still find the uh, the site, but uh, we had a nice little chat one early morning, um, and I thought this would be a nice supplement to our Dawn Explosion episode. So, if you're looking for a little bit more deep uh, dive into specifically Willie Defern and Rod Evans and just Captain Beyond in general, uh, you'll enjoy this discussion. As as Hartmut is a Great wealth of information and a lot of fun to talk to. So hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is our chat. It's uh, good good to talk to you. I've been reading your website for like 20 years. <laughs> well, oh, thank you. Yes, uh, a lot of people are missing that uh, website, but I had it on a server that went into oblivion oh boy <laughs> uh, to coin a phrase here went into oblivion yeah it was um i mean it's still kind of archived on like uh what is it uh it is, yeah. I, I could see yeah. the archive versions but yeah i remember reading it in the 90s i guess or whenever you put it up yes uh actually um yes late 90s and uh Okay, but shoot you questions. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I just, uh, you know, curious. I'm doing some research on, uh, we're, we're recording an episode in a few days on uh, on Dawn Explosion. And just kind of, you seem to be a, a wealth of knowledge about Captain Beyond. So just kind of trying to see what, what, what information you have about the album, the background behind it, anything like that. There's precious little information outside of your old archived website. Yes, okay, let's go from there. I mean, uh, as you probably know, I also uh, worked, I'm a guitarist myself in the songwriter, and I also worked with Lee Dorman and uh, later uh, Captain Beyond singer Jimmy Interval, with whom I'm just about finishing an album. Oh, great. But that's that's another story. So you, you worked with Lee Dorman? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. he's also on, on that album that uh, he was a very good friend of mine, dearly missed. And uh, we recorded that album, and it's in the final mixing stages. As a matter of fact, on the 24th this month, I had a, a final mixing editing day at the studio that was canceled for oh, reasons yeah. that I don't have to <laughs> mention about. Everything is canceled, unfortunately, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, so become a hermit, lock yourself into a room. If you talk to anybody, <laughs> keep the distance. Yep. Uh, it's not just don't talk to strangers. Don't even talk to people you know. <laughs> yeah, don't talk to anybody. <laughs> okay, shoot. 
Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I guess as far as this uh, final, or at least final album from the 70s from Captain Beyond, um, I know that um, I've been in a little bit of touch with Bobby, uh, with Bobby Caldwell as well, and hoping to speak to him. Um, but I know he had left, he had left for that second album, and I'm unsure, I'm, I'm unclear on the reasons why he wasn't involved in the second album. Um, mm-hmm. uh so I guess what do you, from what I'm reading, it sounds like the record label just kind of contacted everyone, tried to get the band back together and wasn't able to reach Rod. So they went with, um, with the new singer with Willie Defern. Okay. Um, Captain Beyond had split, uh, in, uh, late 73, early 74. They did the last show with Rod in, I believe in San Pedro, California. And uh, so Bobby Caldwell went to do Armageddon. You ever uh, fancied how the second Captain Beyond album sufficiently breathless would have sounded if Bobby Caldwell would not have left the band to play with Rick Derringer? Then Armageddon is the answer, basically. It's, It's much more a sequel to the first Captain Beyond album than sufficiently breathless is. Then uh, 74, 75, th- th- there was uh, inter- label interest to reform Captain Beyond. And uh, they reformed with a singer named Jason Cahoon in 76. Don't ask me about Jason Cahoon's whereabouts because nobody seems to know. <laughs> much much like Rod Evans. Well, that's... oh. oh um, not really. I mean, uh, yeah. as a matter of fact, I uh, had some lengthy phone calls with Rod a couple of years ago. Really? But, but that's another story. Uh, so um, they did a tour through the Midwest in, in May 76. That's all on the website with Jason Cahoon, and he was let go from the band. I'm just trying to. As some people are not with us anymore, um, just uh, will not deliver anything confrontational. And uh, so by October 76, they uh, found uh, Willie Daffron preparing the album Dawn Explosion. That became Dawn Explosion. Uh, It was signed by Warner Brother Records. Recorded the general the album in South a little, and um, it was just uh, they finished, and then Fleetwood Mac came in to uh, for to record the album Tusk, which took half a century. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Beyond had uh, four weeks of recording and two weeks of mis- mixing, and then came. Tusk, Fleetwood Mac with uh, tons of equipment. Yeah. So, and then they did one tour. That album was only released in America. A Dawn Explosion? In Canada, yes. Oh, okay. Even to this day, it was not released in Europe. Wow. Yes. It's unusual. It is, well, or did, did, catalog, did, go ahead. Did the label just maybe not put a lot of lot behind it then, or it just wasn't? Well, there were a lot of reasons. First of all, the artist and repertoire manager from 
Warner Brothers, who signed Captain Beyond, who was responsible, shortly after that, quit Warner Brothers. And so the new artist and repertoire manager had his own agenda. Mm-hmm. And Captain Beyond was getting, you know, <laughs> the minimum sort of promotion they should have had. And uh, some other internal problems within the band. I don't want to go into details here because half of the band is not with us anymore. Sure. God bless Rhino Reinhardt and my good friend Lee Dorman. And... Um, they did one tour, a six-week tour through the Midwest, and then Willie Deffern left the band. Now, if you ever ask yourself about the reasons why that album did probably not achieve the status it deserved, despite all the band internal problems, problems with the record company, you have to face that Dawn Explosion was released during a terrible time for rock music. As Ian Gillen once put it, 77 to 79, that period is then nominated the dark ages of rock and roll. (laughs) Very little is known about this period. (laughs) It was punk, new wave, disco. And if you would just under suspicion of playing rock or hard rock, you were probably arrested at that time. (laughs) And even the major bands had trouble selling albums. Deep Purple had split for good. Black Sabbath wasn't selling records. Led Zeppelin took a three years break. Uh, Who else do we have? Um, Uriah Heep, they tried to get more pop, radio-orientated. So hard rock was forbidden. That was the unwritten law. (laughs) And uh, I still maintain to this day that if Dawn Explosion would have happened in 75 or better, 74, Mm -hmm. when hard rock was king, the situation would have turned considerably different. 77, it was a terrible time for a second league band, commercially speaking, not quality-wise speaking, like Captain Beyond, to have a comeback. So it did bits of pieces, Dawn Explosion, got some airplay in Canada. They were actually in triple rotation. Texas, the, the hard rock areas, you know, the hard rock radio Texas was always uh, well-known for hard rock aficionados, and the radio did its part too. But overall, the sales were not that good, Mm -hmm. which I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's interesting listening to the... I I find myself, when I listen to Sufficiently Breathless, wishing Bobby Caldwell would be involved, like just kind of missing his... Mm-hmm. His style and on Dawn Explosion. I think Willie Dufern is great. He does a great job, but I find myself missing Rod on that album. So I think, but I, I, I feel like Dawn Explosion has more of that, that feel of the original album that I was missing with Sufficiently Breathless. I really, really love it. I think it's, it's a really good album. Absolutely. And I could, uh, I know, uh, you've been a reader of my website. There's always two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Dawn Explosion 
should have reached a lot of new people. It was more accessible, more contemporary. Uh, but again, promotion lacked. And you're absolutely right. It's more like the first album than Sufficiently Breathless, which is a whole other world. Those Latin influences. And as I said before, intrinsically, Armageddon is the second Captain Beyond album, as it would have happened with Bobby Caldwell remaining in the band. Now, in my humble opinion, it's not, it's a sequel of the first album. Armageddon is a sequel of the first Captain Beyond album. It's not as good. That's not a dishonor because, I mean, not to be as good as the first Captain Beyond album. I mean, come on. Pretty good. Uh, in my theory, and I've uh, shared it with all four members of the band, the hidden issue with Captain Beyond was they made their first album. And recording their first album, they had built their own monument. All four members were probably amazed how good the first album is. But at the same time, they knew that they could never produce something as good as the first album. Though no one of the four members has uh, denied my theory, <laughs> has confirmed my theory, nobody has denied it as, at the same time as well. So there seems to be some truth in that. Again, Dawn Explosion is a very undervalued yeah, and people were missing Rod. A lot of people were turned on Captain Beyond because of Rod Evans. And uh, Willie Deffen has a different range, but he also did justice to the Rod Evans period songs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that live recording from Waukegan Night Gallery Club. I have not. No. Yes, there's one recording. And uh, again, everything was there, but the general business situation, 77, 79, the dark ages of rock and roll obscured the well-earned fame and fortune of Dawn Explosion. So what do you, um, so you said you've talked to, to Rod over the, like within the last few years? Yeah. 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 So what is, um, does, have you ever spoken to him about why he either was out of touch or wasn't interested in getting back into the band for this third album? Uh, he had, uh, for the third album, for Captain Beyond Dawn Explosion, I mean, uh, Rod was, uh, had left music business being unhappy with the situation in Captain Beyond and Deep Purple before that, which is a sad story. You worked in medical fields and uh, had different other jobs and uh, did not return until um, 1980, making a few mistakes, I'm sorry to say. You covered that already. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he, he was, basically he was unavailable. 
Uh, and so they got uh, Jason Cahoon and then uh, Willie Deffern. And uh, I uh, love both singers. I never heard Jason Cahoon, though Lee Dorman uh, told me he sounds more comparable to Jimmy Interval. Okay. Just as a side story. Uh, I never talked to him. Nobody knows where he is. I'm not even sure about Jason Cahoon's name spelling. But going back to Rod, he, he simply was not available and not, uh, I don't think he was even approached at that time to uh, rejoin uh, Captain Beyond, uh, though he was in 98, but that's another story. Oh, so when they, when they kind of, when Bobby Caldwell got things back together, then he was approached? In 98, it was Rhino and Bobby Caldwell. Okay. And uh, Jimmy Interval. Okay. Singer. As Rod, uh, let's put it that way. I mean, Rod was um, at that time already, uh, he, he hasn't uh, sung since 1980 and uh, you got to keep your jobs as a musician, as a vocalist, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I would have appreciated if he would have uh, shown up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing a few years ago. Me, me too. We're we're really big fans of Rod on the show, and we'd we'd love to we'd love to talk yeah. to him and celebrate uh celebrate everything yeah. he did. Yes, absolutely. And it's sad. Uh, I mean, I, I never took Rock and Roll Hall of Fame seriously. I mean, how can you include Donna Summer being a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before you include bands like the Purple or Black Sabbath or? Right. It's, <laughs> never it, took it seriously. It's very yeah. It's a, most people have a lot of feelings about the rock and roll <laughs> hall of fame that's for sure and probably you know the the story with steve miller having to pay uh like uh, uh 50 grand to, to have his band uh, performing i uh, haven't heard that but it doesn't surprise me it's always <laughs> always something with the rock and roll hall of fame uh, yes so uh the only thing that i was interested in me was uh, what was interesting for me that uh, would roger show up now it's funny that Rod was invited, inducted, and Dixon Bernard. It's uh, also very, no very strange. There's no reasoning about this at all. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, it gives the institutional quality again. Well, it's, it's, it's all. Uh, it's also like it's not a decision made by the band management. It's made by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Exactly. Be exactly. Because that's why I cannot take them seriously. You could see if the band said, "Well, because of legal reasons, we're not going to induct Rod Evans." I wouldn't agree with that either. But but it's just them making some weird arbitrary decision and also leaving out Tommy Bolin and it's just very yes. strange. Uh. Okay, you know, I mean, arguably, Tommy Bolin, it was, uh, it was not... Con <sighs> it was very brief, his time in the band, sure. It, yes, and it, it, it might have been regarded as an afterglow, oddity, come taste the band. I have to say, Tommy Bolin is one of my early influences as a guitarist, just as a side note. But again, or you either leave Rod out and Nick out, or you get both in, but to include Rod Evans and not invite Nick Simple, that's uh, laughable. Yeah, it's it's a very weird, <laughs> weird decision. 
We've never quite been able to figure that one out. <laughs> There's simply no rational reasoning to to this. <laughs> Not at all. It's it's completely arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it basically says, ah, we don't think bass players are important, so we'll we'll leave him out, which is dumb. Well, I mean, uh, the, the the main claim to fame uh, from the Purple Mark one was harsh, and it starts with the bass. So sure. You leave him out. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but again, it's. Uh, I wish Rod would have attempted it. I do too, and I, again, it's not nothing towards Willie Defern. I, I think he does a really great job, but just hearing, uh, he, hearing Dawn Explosion, thinking, just wow, what, the, what would this have been? Like? This would have been that much closer to capturing that essence of that first album. Absolutely, and I wish it uh, would have reached a well-deserved broader audience. It was all there. Mm-hmm. But it did not happen, and uh, you know, as I said, uh, in America it was a little different, uh, yeah, a little of us. In in Europe, it was not released until this this day, and uh, yes, uh, and I don't know if you know this. Um, uh, just uh, put the on here. This is this little better sounding CD reissue of uh, that came out on. Uh, What's this label called? Friday Music. Friday Music of the Dawn Explosion album. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it's uh, remastered today. Improved the sound a bit. And uh, it was released in 2008. Again, re-released in America. Oh, okay. I don't know which one I have. I've got this giant stack behind me. I don't know which, what what uh, version it is. Or it's worth getting. I don't know if you know this. That probably you know by now. Icarus was uh, uh, written uh, by the first keyboarder in the band, Louis Gold. Oh, okay. He's not credited, and it was recorded with Rod Evans already uh, on before the first album. Oh wow! Okay. They they recently released a, a album of rarities. Oh yeah, 72. Yep. And there's Icarus with Rod Evans singing. That's the one that's got the Uranus song on it, like. You, r- r- yes, Uranus Expressway. Uranus, Uranus Expressway. Uranus Highway, <laughs> as uh, stated on the cover. That's what uh, I almost wanted to call it. <laughs> you just have to love record companies sometimes. Uh, <laughs> the care they put into things, yeah. Even if. Love can, won't stay. <laughs> uh, another interesting information is that um, on the first, what Captain Beyond started uh, to tour in, in Europe in 72. And an embryonic version of Sweet Dreams was performed with Rod. Oh, wow. Guitar, bass, and drums are the same, but the vocals and the lyrics are different. Uh... It was called, I couldn't make it out myself, and nobody remembered, either Lonely Feeling or Lovely Feeling over the music of what became Sweet Dreams. Uh, Songs that were performed live on that tour, if you don't know already, were Do or Die, Sweet Dreams, Fantasy, 
Breath of Fire Part 1 and Breath of Fire Part 2 and Oblivion. The other three songs, Icarus, If You Please and Midnight Memories were never performed live. Uh, although Rhino performed Midnight Memories, which he wrote uh, in 2003 with a band named Blue Swamp. Okay, so those um, those tour, those were played early with Rod, or they were played uh, after for the tour for this album. The songs that you just mentioned, the ones they did live. Yeah, those were done live with Willie or with Rod. With, with Willie. Oh, with okay. Willie. Gotcha. With Willie. So it was uh, just that one that um, Icarus that they did like a, a early version of with Rod. Yes, and it was. Uh, Recorded for Dawn Explosion, of course, without the credit for Louis Gold, which is a shame, I have to say. Uh, but Icarus was never played live. The same goes for If You Please and Midnight Memories. Okay. Never played at all. Mm, that's too bad. Yes. Uh, I don't know why Icarus... Uh, uh, from what I got, uh, I think Lee Dorman mentioned that to me, that If You Please and Midnight Memories were not exactly uh, the songs that Bobby Caldwell would like to play. Uh, at the same time as uh, when they reformed, they only did the first part of Breath of Fire and uh, not the second part, which is the ballad. Mm-hmm. As uh, Mr. Caldwell would say, this song, a song like this would send people to sleep. <laughs> well, he knows how to people keep people awake with his songs. He's he's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there you go. Uh, unfortunately, then Willie left the band uh, and uh, eventually, that's another story, uh, went to... Join Gary Moore's G Force mm -hmm. as Willie D, not Willie Deffern anymore. He changed mm -hmm. his name, and then did a solo album named Abrupt Edge, okay. which is very hard to find on Rockshire Records, the same label that had Alcatraz uh, with Graham Bonnet and the, the then unknown guitarist Ingvi Malmsteen from Sweden. Yeah, what else could I add to this? If there's anything left not sure that i'm just uh needs. uh if you have if you have any notes or anything from any conversations you've had with rod i'd be really of course interested to hear it and we're always saying on the show like we wish we could uh we could talk to rod and just tell tell him how much his music means to us and we'd love to uh, obviously everyone would love to talk to rod because he's yes incommunicado uh, but well the, the, that's another story i mean uh it's a sad story to me, personally. I don't have to say, uh, to reinforce that, uh, as you've been a reader of the unofficial European Captain Beyond side that unfortunately went into oblivion, getting emails to reinstall it. Uh, it's one of the saddest histories in the music business. To me, Rod Evans, as a solo artist, could have been somebody like Tom Jones, Paul Anker, mm -hmm. or more contemporary like Robbie Williams, where 
the names Deep Purple and Captain Beyond would just have been an early complimentary footnote in his biography. Unfortunately, it did not go that way. And uh, there are a few reasons for that. Rod once told me, uh, well, it's important to get in, that uh, he never regarded himself as a hard rock singer, despite the fact he was always asked from hard rock bands to join from a band named Roundabout that became Deep Purple. Uh, so from Captain Beyond, he was always the last member to join, basically. And the musical direction was set. Mm -hmm. I said to him, well, perhaps you should have considered to go as a solo artist or the Rod Evans band or call it Evansville, whatever, and make sure the music that's being performed is the one that fits you most. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it never happened that way, and uh, he's um, has been out of contact with music business after the Deep Purple eighty thing, which should have gone completely different. I mean, he made a few mistakes, but one of the reasons, and uh, I keep maintaining this, that he kept away from he became a recluse, you know. He has, been talked to, he has been talking to a handful of people since uh, 1980 that were associated with either Captain Beyond or Deep Purple. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason, one of the main reasons why is because of the Deep Purple 80 thing. And he's surely aware that not all people have a high esteem about Rod like you or me and uh, a few of my friends. There were a lot of bad comments on the internet and I don't have to quote them and I'm sure Rod is aware of that. Which uh, And there are some people in the, and I'm not going to name them, in the Deep Purple Club of Aficionados that over the years have always uh, because of the Deep Purple 80 thing said very bad things about Rod and of course there's no much incentive for Rod to make himself available to to the public eye. Yeah. I mean, so I, it's that way. I can understand that. And there, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who just say a lot of things about, about a lot of things and they, they say some pretty nasty things about him and it's just unfortunately what it's like online and, on some of those, some of the deep purple groups and things like that. But we've always tried to, with our show to celebrate anyone affiliated with deep purple and uh, really appreciate what they did and not focus on so much on those little things, but always trying to find the positive side of, of where those people are coming from. And that's why we've always had, uh, when we were younger, I didn't give Mark one a lot of, listening maybe as much mm. as i should have i listened to the albums a few times here and there but i was much more into the mark two through four era yeah and you know over the years i've just really really grown to appreciate it and i i, I never like hated it or didn't like it i just you know you kind of listen to it and then oh all right i'm gonna move on to other things and one of the things in doing this show that's really rekindled is a real lo love for what 
Rod brought to the band and a real respect for him as a musician. And you, you put it perfectly. I think he maybe was a little bit of a, an odd fit for a hard rock outfit, but he's such yeah. a great singer. And we always kind of fall back to comparing him to Elvis or like, you know, he's kind of a crooner, yes. you know, and he could have been uh, yes. that guy. Uh, now, uh, don't say that publicly because some people in, especially in America will hate me <laughs> for saying it. Uh, if I had the option to listen to Elvis, to Rod Evans. You can finish the sentence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I understand uh, what you're that saying. gives you an idea that of the potential that Rod would have had. Yeah. Yep. And there's and no there's no reason to feel uh, you know, there's no reason to not say that publicly if that's how you feel, you know. Like people people uh, so many people want to say that there's a right and wrong opinion about what's good and what's not good or whatever <laughs> but just if that's what you like and there's no shame in that you know no there's no shame but uh, i was just trying to get across that why yeah. i would say this that <laughs> on the other side uh, on balance of things there would be a thousand people claiming differently so. oh of course how could you possibly <laughs> say that i don't understand he's clearly but whatever <laughs> I try to I try to ignore that sort of stuff. And if you like, you know, some people get all bent out of shape if you try to say something good about. There's still it, it, the funny thing to me is on some of those deep purple groups. There's still people. If you you'll say something about say come taste the band and here it yeah. is. Uh, I don't know what forty almost forty five years after the uh, yeah, yeah forty five years after that album came out. And people will chime. It's not deep purple unless it's Richie Blackmore. It's like you know what? Could you let it go? Richie Blackmore at this point has been in that band for. Uh, a small part of its existence compared to <laughs> compared to Steve Morris, even, you know, so just, oh, yeah. just let it, let it go. Let it rest. It's, it's old news. It, we can, we can like deep purple, even if, and people even get bent out of shape that John Lord's not in the band. Even the fact that he couldn't be in the band if, if we wanted to, he's not even with us anymore. And I, exactly. I, I don't understand why people are so locked into that. What happened in the past and they can't, they can't see past it for any reason. It's just, I don't know. It, it makes me shake my head reading some of those comments sometimes. Yes. Now to go back to Captain Beyond, I mean, uh, Willie Deferin was different to Rod, like Tommy Bolin was different to Richie Blackmore. So, but they did not have a promotional machine Yeah, to lift that album where it should have been. And of course, it was a terrible time. I repeat it. People forget about this. And in Europe, the situation was even more different. Uh, as Dawn Explosion was not released. Um, the same situation, it was, uh, as you mentioned it before, when Rod was in the Purple Mark I. Uh, in America, they had a big hit. In Europe, it was always uh, like, uh, oh, by the way, you know, there is some early history to that band because Deep Purple became popular in 1970 in Europe and in their home country as well. Mm -hmm. Deep Purple and Rock, Black Knight, that put the band on the map. And everything before was in Europe was, oh, by the way, there, there was something, you know, for those who care, <laughs> who are interested. If you got nothing better to do, okay, you know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's how it eventually became here as well. I I know from reading, I mean, obviously I wasn't aware because I wasn't alive when Mark one was out, but um, growing up, I remember first learning that, oh, there was a lineup before the Ian Gillen lineup and just being like, what? Yeah. I, actually, even learning that there was one after the Ian Gillen Glover lineup was equally as surprising to find out because neither, aside from Hush, none of that stuff ever got mentioned or played on the radio. And when I heard, I was under the impression Gillen was singing on Hush for the for years before I, you know, when I was a kid. Um, and yeah. then finally figured out, oh, there was this, longer much longer history with the band and extremely much longer now absolutely uh, and it's just disappeared it came was here for a brief time and never came back and that's basically the story of rod evans well i just uh, i just wish he i wish he could i hope he understands how many people really uh love all the music that he's created and still celebrate it and i hope he doesn't feel like I hope I hope he knows that because we're that that would be my main my main reason of wanting to ever talk to him and I'd love to interview him for the show is to just tell tell you get his side of it get his story out there but also just celebrate the amazing things they've done and I I really appreciated when Ian Gillen brought him up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and brought up all the members actually I thought it was a really classy move to recognize that absolutely uh, he. I mean, Rod got involved with some bad people. I mean, uh, and you know, I mean, you, you've been even Tony Flynn was very diplomatic about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Rod could have uh, handled the situation quite differently to avoid being sued, not to dupe the fans. Because I mean, at that tour. Which Rod referred to me as a Chitlin circuit, <laughs> uh, referring to the Purple 80. Uh, he told me about one show in Texas that uh, they had a fence between the stage and the audience to avoid that things being thrown on stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was Wild West in the middle of nowhere, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I almost saw the show in Mexico. I still regret it 40 years later. Oh, wow. That's another story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should have handled completely differently. Rod made a mistake business-wise and therefore being sued. People felt duped with that rip-off management not disclosing who was in the band. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, he should have handled it repertoire-wise, setlist-wise, like Nick Simper in the latest in la the later years with the Nasty Habits. I mean, doing the Mark One song catalog, mm -hmm. and leave out a anything after he was not in the band anymore. Yeah, um, and I think the name yeah. the the naming as well was probably bad. But it's it's unfortunate that Rod has to take the brunt of the. The yes. ire went when it was, like you said, probably the management handled, handled it not so well, and they're probably much more responsible. But but they're not the public face like he was and the easy target, which is not fair to him. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this all led to people making all those comments about Rod, 
or too many people. And of course, you know, I mean, what, you would probably uh, in his place hide as well. Plus the fact that he, after that, he lost the passion for music. I mean, uh, I always try to to avoid that uh, thing uh, with Rowdy. Uh, just uh, was little interested in music. He knew a few musicians, obviously. He once asked me w w what kind of guitar that I play. Uh, I told him Chavel is my main. Mm -hmm. And he knew about Chavel guitars that were uh, produced in the late 80s, 90s mm -hmm. onwards. And the Ebenus, uh, um semi-acoustic and he told me he knew that he knew a, a few bass players that sounded great with the Ebenus, but that's all he he did not keep touch with anything with music uh, with musicians and uh, it's sad you know uh, that uh, such a stellar voice yeah timeless voice that I could only name you one singer that had that He's not with us anymore. The timeless charisma. Who's that? If you believe me, <laughs> David Byron. Okay. He had this timeless charisma in his voice. Well, 50 years later, you still could listen to his early albums with the band he was in. Uriah Heap in that case. Yeah, and uh, it sounds fresh. That's a good, that's a good comparison. And I... Yeah, Rod. Rod could kind of do it all. I, I, I personally love the way his voice sounded in front of hard rock, but at the same yes. time, he could, he could put it out an album of Elvis covers, and it would sound just as good. He's, he's definitely got th that style down as well. Well, I, uh, uh, by now you should know that uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of Elvis, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope that's allowed. <laughs> that's, a, that's anything is anything is fair game. I can't you know, force you to like Elvis. <laughs> uh, have you heard Rod's uh, solo single? That's another story. Um, I have not. No. No. Well, this exactly gives you a clue. What should have happened? It was in '71 before he joined Captain Beyond, and this is exactly what should have happened in the direction of uh, Tom Jones, Paul Anker, later somebody like Robbie Williams, what I said before, I'm, I'm trying to uh, avoid Elvis here. <laughs> uh, uh, these two songs, Hard to Be Without You and You Can't Love a Child Like a Woman, you, they are on, the, on YouTube. Uh, these songs give you a direction, unfortunately, well, that's another obscure story. It wasn't Capitol Records, and it was never released. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm seeing the it here as a promo only. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, uh, 40 years after the promo copies were released in 1971, mm -hmm. a friend of mine managed to find a regular copy. Really? <laughs> Can you believe that? So it was released, but just very limited. Uh, well, how do you defer the term release? <laughs> I guess that's a good... <laughs> it was manufactured. 
<laughs> Whether it was released intentionally, I don't know. Uh, I mean, to my understanding, the term release uh, implies a certain sort of public. The way that, the, the way that you re- <laughs> release a car from its owner when you steal it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, if you produce a copy and only give one to your co-host. <laughs> right. Yep. Is this a release? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to check well, that out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with those songs. I'll have to listen to it after this. Yes, uh, definitely. And uh, the funny thing is, I know about six people worldwide who have, like I do, uh, uh, for promo only, uh, copy of the single mm-hmm. like displaced in the whole in the old Captain Beyond website and now one person a friend of mine who does the Deep Purple 80 website in he's from Austria his name is Gerhard Koretnik managed to obtain a regular copy hmm. 40 years later <laughs> uh, man, uh, I've never uh, witnessed something as bizarre as that that's a nice collector's item yes now I wonder how many were pressed one copy leaked out obviously he bought it Uh, why it was uh, pulled at the last minute by Capitol Records I don't know Uh, but it gives you an idea where Rod would have gone perfectly Hmm. and then you will probably agree with me that a career in that direction would have a successful career, as Paul Anker, Tom Jones, would have made the names Deep Purple redundant. Definitely gonna check that out. Two songs are the evidence for it. Now don't ask me how many copies, non-promo copies, are in existence and why, etc. Um, another uh, <laughs> questionable chapter is uh, the so-called the album in 1980 on with Mike Curb on Curb Records. It's uh, funny that Tony Flynn disclosed your version of Hush. He actually recorded before with session musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to get into contact with Mike Kerb. I would love to listen to Blood Blister and Drum Boogie and uh, the other songs recorded. I always found found it funny that Mike Kerb was uh, hired as a producer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tony had spoken about him a little bit in our talk. Yes, I know. Just to add a bit, because if you look at Mike Kerb's credentials, he is a very successful back then he was a very successful producer but nothing associated with rock mm-hmm. into the pop soul area era excuse me area uh, but nothing with a rock band uh, and then he was uh, hired to produce a, a Deep Purple comeback album which I found a little odd I would like to hear it uh and maybe we managed to convince Tony to get a release of this. I mean, 
of course, under under another name to avoid trademark infringements. Mm-hmm. But just a thought, if you take this deep purple 80 period and uh, imagine they have only played that kind of material that Nick Simple does with Nasty Habits, that Austrian band, mm-hmm. uh, you know, imagine them having that Autumn or Shield or Blind Lalanger, Listen, Learn, Relong. That would be great. I mean, just kind of like the way you know Glenn Hughes yes. keeps the Mark Three and Four stuff alive in his shows, and exactly, um, absolutely, absolutely. But yes. I, th- I think it was, you know, we talked about it in the episode. It's, it, it was kind. Of, they were kind of in uncharted territories, and it seems kind of obvious now, forty-five years later or whatever, looking back at it and saying, "Here's what they could have done," or forty years later, rather, seeing what they could have done differently. Uh, but it seemed like at the time there was just a lot of that stuff going on and it it was it wasn't as clear what happens when a band breaks up and all of that whereas now bands don't really break up you've got here the deep purple r 50 years later still going mm-hmm. under that mm-hmm. under that name even though there was a you know a, a pause uh, but mm-hmm. ba- back then it I, I just remember as a kid people making fun of the rolling stones because they were still playing playing live when they were in their forties, you know, they're like, look at these old, look, look at these old men. I can't believe how much, how much longer they're going to keep this up. And it's, that was, that was 30 something years ago. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's, I think what the idea of what's acceptable has really changed over the years. And that's probably a big part of it. Absolutely. Uh, what can we say? You know, I mean, the business has changed a lot. Yeah, it has really changed a lot, and some people have fallen off the wayside. And uh, the same goes uh, Willie Deferen. Unfortunately, he's not doing anything anymore. We'll stay with Dawn Explosion. We know about Rod Evans, mm-hmm. uh, which is really sad. I mean, he played me some. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to to uh, to, to record an album with him. Well, that's another story. Uh, he he had another band uh, named Rainbow Fire, which uh, he played me some of their songs over the phone. Goes a little into Pink Floyd territory. Oh well, great stuff. Uh, but uh, never released it. And this was ten years ago. Also, as you. Actually, where hardly anybody is buying CDs these days. It's all about download and download ad and download for free. And uh, can't really make money uh, selling records anymore. No, you have yeah, and and there's and unfortunately nobody can play live right now either. So it's really bad time for musicians. Oh yes, it's terrible. And uh, I mean uh, the situation is the same here in in Europe. Luckily, we're not as much affected here in Germany as Italy, but uh, I'm really in touch with what's happening in, in America. Uh, in which state are you living? I'm in Illinois. Okay. So this is near Chicago? Yeah, yeah, I'm just outside, just outside of Chicago, yeah. 
Have you been to Waukegan? I've been like through Waukegan. I've never really spent much time there, but we've gone through there uh, up on, you know, taking little weekend trips or and such. Is this outside Chicago? So it doesn't belong to the city limits. Where, where I am? No, Waukegan. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's, um, I think it's like north of Chicago. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's its own city. It's like, I guess it would just be called a suburb. Uh-huh. Well, I'm just bringing that in because uh, uh, the only recording from the Dawn Explosion area is from Waukegan Night Gallery Club. Yeah, it's probably about an hour from here. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, you know, these sort of clubs exist for three years or so, and uh, this is a little more than three years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the building might still be there, but I don't know what yes. it is now. Uh, I don't know if the show is on the internet somewhere. It's a, it's a pretty decent recording, and uh, that version of the band was great live. I'll have to look it up because I've heard a few of the Rod Evans live uh, performances, and they're really good. Yeah, well, this is with Willie Deffern uh, from '77, mm -hmm. Chicago. Uh, Waukegan uh, Night Gallery Club. There's no recording from LA uh, 77. If you can't come across these news, they are fake because they only did one tour in the Midwest. They never played on any coast. Okay. Don't believe the fake news. <laughs> uh, so, the, and especially how they did Breath of Fire. Um, Superb. I'll definitely be I would have loved to see that band. I will, I will definitely have to check that one out too. Yes. Well, um, there's a lot of ground. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm sure you've got stuff to do. And my kids uh, will be, well, if they haven't woken up already, they'll be up. And uh, we're homeschooling now. So we got to do all the, all the schoolwork at home. So, <laughs> so I got to try to do that before I go to work. So. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's the same situation as here. Uh, uh, any schools, reunions, uh, social events, everything is cancelled. Uh, uh, as I put on my website, you know, you have to become a her hermit these days. You know, yeah. Don't talk to anybody. Yeah, which uh, is not that except, hard for me. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it was nice to talk to you. If you need any information about any of the bands, you know, uh, some I wish you, you would have... Uh, Talk to me before, like Nick Simpers Fandango, for example. No, but uh, oh, I, sure. Uh, uh, and uh, just to gather then, if you will wonder what what our album will sound with Jimmy Interval and myself, uh, Jimmy Interval's uh, voice is pretty close to Willie Deffern. Uh, and when Jimmy was auditioning for Captain Beyond, actually, and uh, um, before they debuted at Sweden Rock in 99, and he was singing uh, uh, Breath of Fire Part 1 and Fantasy. And uh, Rhino and Caldwell were wondering, is this Willie? <laughs> now he has his own uh, added drama in his voice, but uh, he comes extremely close to much more than to Rod, though he... he he also performed those old songs very well from the first album and from the second. 
uh, well, so that's as far as uh, I, I could say that. And uh, I don't know if you released him sing Don't Cry Over Me with Captain Beyond on that uh, um, demo CD. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard that particular one. I've heard some of the things off of that, off of the, um, what's it, like the Lost Rare, or what's it called? The, uh, camera, the, the, there's that Captain Beyond compilation. It's like uh, Lost lost and Found. Lost and Found. No, Lost and Found is with Rod. But I, I, oh, there's, they, oh, there's another one. They released an EP in uh, when Jimmy Interval was in the band oh, okay. uh, in 2000. One. Oh, okay. Four songs, and, and uh, Jimmy sings Don't Cry Over Me. So oh, you have okay. a... We might even re-record this for the next album. But yeah, I'd love to hear the stuff you've been working on too, so... That's in the future. Uh, uh, if you have any uh, questions for your uh, next uh, radio shows about any uh, of the uh, deep piece split bonds that I might be knowledgeable enough. I mean, uh, this is the start of it all to me back uh, in the 70s. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd love and, uh, uh, I enjoyed uh, a lot of uh, s- some of your shows that I uh, witnessed. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I'd love to love to talk to you again in the future and uh, get some more information when we start covering some of that material. Of course. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Have a nice day. All right, you too. Enjoy your day. All right, I hope you enjoyed that chat that Hartman and I had. It was a lot of fun talking to him about Captain Beyond and Rod Evans and all of that. So um, just a little bit of extra knowledge and information on the Captain Beyond era for those of you who are very much interested in the band. All right, well, thank you, and we'll see you in the next bonus episode. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.